Well, what a great day. Our drama group was incredible. Well done. And the music, I just feel blessed. And it's my privilege now to share with you one of our members' uh, story. And I'm going to invite Callie Moores up. Callie's been at our church for about three years now. And Callie's just going to share a little bit of her journey. She's got an amazing testimony of how God's led her since she was very young. And so, Kelly, we're just going to turn it over to you to just share for a few minutes some of the highlights of your journey. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Um, just as a little brief introduction, my name is Kelly, C-A-L-L-Y, I spell it because uh, I get called Kelly a lot, but I answer to that. Um, I have, um, I was raised in South Africa, grown up in South Africa and immigrated in 99 to Australia. And I have three beautiful grown up children. The older two are married. And I'm happy to say I'm Granny Kelly to the most beautiful one year old granddaughter in the whole world. Just saying. <laughs> um, briefly, a little bit about my background. I grew up in a non practicing Christian home. And by that I mean, Mum and Dad would have identified as Christians, but we never spoke about God. We went to church once a year on Christmas morning, and we didn't say grace, and I don't think we had a Bible in our home. Um, I was an unusually spiritually minded little girl, and I would ask my mum and dad, um, who is God? What happens to us after we die? What is the purpose in our lives, of our lives? And my mum would say, don't ask us those silly questions, Kelly. They loved me, but they just didn't know how to answer me. And what happened to me, and I don't know the full reason for this, but when I was born, I was born with six senses and not just five. And by that I mean um, I was incredibly psychic from a young age. And I could see the air around us was actually thick. There were entities bobbing in it. I could see things walking past. I could see auras around anything living, even a leaf on a tree, a dog, or a person, and it has color. And what happened for me, I believe, is uh, just as God has a wonderful plan for our lives, and he would have it that not one be lost, Satan saw a spiritually-minded little girl, and he decided, I'm going to gift her with multiple talents, <laughs> give her all of these uh, things to distract her so she will never find Jesus. And I went on a journey looking for truth. And um, <clears throat> I knew that there was a creator God. I looked at a sunrise, the birth of a baby, even a simple tree. And I thought, no, that doesn't form by itself. There has to be a creator God. And with the multiple gifts and talents that I had, and I won't go into them today, it sent me on a journey looking for truth. And I studied for three years with the Jehovah Witnesses. And I went to Methodist, Baptist, and Anglican churches on and off, not seriously, because I didn't know where truth lay, but I was looking. And I was in the Baptist church one day when the pastor said, what day is the Sabbath day? And the entire congregation in unison said, Saturday is the Sabbath day. 
And the pastor said, and why do we keep Sunday? And the congregation in unison replied, because our Lord and Savior rose on Sunday. And I thought, hmm, okay, that's interesting. I've never heard about a Sabbath day before. But I know that the Holy Spirit was constantly talking to me and God was guiding me because that stuck in my brain. Uh, And nothing else did really. But I did see a baptism and I remember crying. Again, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, um, as I've said, Satan had a plan for me and so did God. And I was led into the New Age movement. And they thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) They all wanted my gifts and talents. But my desire to find truth was greater than using those. And that can only be God. He was with me in the lion's den, and that's how it felt. Um, I went to the head of the New Age movement, and I said, I'm looking for truth. What do you think it is? And she said, Kelly, truth is whatever your heart center perceives it to be at that time. And I said, do you mean there's no absolute truth? And she said, yes. It'll vary within an, an incarnation and uh, within each lifetime, depending on what the universe wants to teach you. And I thought, hmm, I'm looking for something rock solid. To me, this isn't truth. This is too airy-fairy. And um, I went to a Methodist minister, and I said, please help me, because I think I might be evil. I, um, <laughs> yeah, because how can I have premonitions of events that are going to happen, and then they happen? And he said, no, I don't think you're evil. You've just got antenna like a radio, and you just pick up the radio waves. And he sent me on my way. Um, it wasn't a lot of help. And um, the New Age movement uh, invited me to be a clairvoyant for them. And I said, no. And thank you, Jesus. <laughs> As I said, finding truth was the most important thing to me, more than using anything. So fast forward. I was highly confused. Everybody that I studied with thought they were right. They all thought they had the truth. And we emigrated in 99, as I said, to Sydney. And I prayed one of my first really heartfelt prayers to this creator God, wherever he was. And I didn't know where he was. And I said, I believe you are one God. And if you are one God, you've got one truth here on this earth. But everybody thinks they're right and they cannot be. I do not believe that all these multiple faiths and beliefs are like tributaries leading to that one river and that one river goes to heaven. You are one God with one pure truth here on earth. Please show it to me. And I didn't know then that God hears and answers prayer. And a Try Jesus card came in our letterbox, this one. And my two children got off their school bus and I was waiting on the porch and my little seven-year-old girl came running down the driveway. Mummy, mummy, mummy. It says I can have a free Bible. Please can I fill it out? And I wrote down our address on a piece of paper because we were new to the country and the house, interestingly enough, stood vacant for three weeks while we looked for a house to buy. And I mentioned this because God kept it aside. He knew the prayer I was going to pray and he knew how he was going to answer it. This is our God. And um, when I wrote down the address on a piece of paper for my little girl to fill it out, I heard my mother's voice loud in my ears. Don't be mad. Don't fill that out. You never know what you're getting yourself into. And my exact reply was, new country, new things. What do I have to lose? You know, you never have to be afraid to look and to study. Because even when you say, "Mm -mm, this isn't for me, you've still gained. You've lost nothing. And nobody can force you to believe anything you don't want to believe. So... 
my daughter filled it out, and then there was a knock on our door one Sabbath afternoon, which was the busiest day in our house. And there was a beautiful lady uh, at the door with two other people, and her name was Gail Fong, and she was the daughter of Ted and Glenda Hayes. I don't know if you're here today, Ted and Glenda. Ah, there they are. Yes, hello. (laughs) Beautiful lady. And I had never met a Christian lady like this. She just glowed with the love of Jesus, and every time I asked her questions, because I had a lot, her answers were so in-depth and so credible, and she was so humble. And uh, long story short, um, my family and another family, we all went to uh, the Seventh-day Adventist church in our area, and we all stood and gave our lives to Jesus, and we were baptized in 2000. (laughs) And just as a, a little plug for this, there are 18 baptisms that have been generated from this one uh, Try Jesus card so far. And uh, giving my life to Jesus, choosing to follow him has been the best thing that's ever happened to me and the best decision I have ever made. And um, right now is a very shaking time in our world where um, so many people's lives are in strife. Our world is in so much trouble at the moment. And um, there's a, a verse that I just wanted to share with you while I close, and that is uh, Jeremiah 17 eight and nine, or seven and eight, sorry, where um, it says, blessed is the man who has his trust in the Lord, who has his confidence in him. He will be like a tree planted by the river whose roots go deep down into that stream. And when drought comes and when the heat comes, its leaves stay evergreen. It has no fear and it will go on to provide much fruit. And Jesus is our living water. And when we drink from him, we will never thirst again. Thanks, Kelly. Stay right here. What an amazing testimony. You know, I know she's an inspiration. It really makes us aware of, uh, you know, there is a spiritual warfare going on out there. And we, we need to be aware of that. And we need to be on the side of Jesus. We, we, Jesus has already won the battle. We just need to choose to be on his side. We have the choice every day. And that's really what truth is about, the living truth as we've been talking about through this series. Now, the next part of this is going to take place is uh, Callie has been uh, serving in our church for the last three years, and we really recognized her amazing passion for Jesus and sharing her faith, and she's always just connecting with people, and we've recognized that gift, and uh, she's been um, uh, nominated to be an elder in this church, and that's gone to our business meeting, and so that's all been passed. And I'd like to invite forward uh, Pastor Lockie and all of our elders, even if you're not a current elder, to come forward. Now, we will try to do this in a, um, a, uh, a COVID um, right way. So normally we'd be laying hands on her, but we're going to just social distance around her because the Holy Spirit's going to be there filling the space of the one and a half meters between us and you, Callie. Um, but we are just going to gather around you and... Um, we're just going to say a special prayer as um, she has been uh, selected to, to serve in this special spiritual role in this church. And we look forward to what you bring to us as we work for Jesus in this church. Good. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just want to thank you for your leading in all of our lives here. But Lord, we just heard an amazing testimony how at a very young age, Callie sensed that you really gifted her in a special way. And that she has been searching to use that gift for you and not for the the other. 
And we just thank you that she has stuck with that, that she's been courageous, and she's continued that search until she's found what she feels is really satisfying and giving her the truth that she's been looking for. And so now, Lord, we just want to set her aside. As she's been selected as this role as an elder in this church, we pray as she serves with the rest of our elders' team that you will use her to bring the love of Jesus, to further your kingdom, and just set her aside for this work. And may your spirit use her in mighty ways. Thank you for Callie. Bless her, bless her home, and bless her ministry as she goes forward in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, what a, a great testimony, and it, it, a way it's worked out, you know, right at the end of this four-part series that we've been covering about truth and, you know, her um, long process of seeking out truth. And I think we all really want to find truth, but, you know, it's such a, uh, a it's not concrete these days, you know, people seem to, it's airy-fairy, and, and we, we need to get back to what we've been talking about throughout this series is what the real truth is, is God's word and the living truth. I want to start out by just sharing, um, it was a Tuesday night, and um, I was getting winding down for bed, and I was watching the late news, and um, some interesting thing was happening is the news said uh, um, we have a special um, uh, um, bulletin coming from the United States, uh, it looks like maybe a light plane has crashed into this building. And I remember watching it unfold, and, and no one knew exactly what happened. They thought, oh, just some, some planes uh, made a mistake and ran into this building, and, and we're, they, the, the news people were trying to make sense out of it. As it continued to unfold, and as they could see what was happening, and you, know, you saw the, the huge damage and explosion as it hit that building, as most of you know what I'm talking about, um, then a, a second plane hit the building next to it, and of course this is the Twin Towers uh, of 9-11 and 20 years ago. So many of you young people, you were either not born or very young, but those that were old enough have never forgotten that. You know, I'll never forget, I rang straight away my family back in the States, and they were, it was a, a, um, a Wednesday morning, or a Tuesday morning there, and um, they, they were just going about their business, and here I am on the other side of the world telling them, have you seen what's happening? You've seen what's happening in New York City, and of course we know it continued, and there was a uh, a plane, another plane crashed into the Pentagon, and possibly the fourth plane was headed to the Capitol, but uh, some very brave people risked their lives and, and crashed that plane. But, you know, what, what a, um, a sad day in history that was. And I'll never forget the next morning and, and not sleeping much that night, feeling very unsettled, not knowing what was going to happen next is, is my home country Great America is, looks like, what's going to happen now? You know, is there going to be some bigger attack? Is there going to be a nuclear war? You know, all these huge thoughts going through my head. And I remember going to the academy. I was working at that time as the chaplain at Lilydale Academy there in Victoria. And I went and we had a special chapel first thing that morning. Because all the students arrived that morning. Everybody knew. The word spread quickly. You know, this has happened. And woke up the next morning to this news. And, 
And um, yeah, I just never forget the feeling of that uneasiness. And the only thing I can really compare that to is really what happened last year when the, when the pandemic hit. And I guess this pandemic's far greater than what happened at 9-11. I mean, that was pretty significant for America. But what's happening with this pandemic is, is right around the world affecting every country. And, you know, we're pretty fortunate here to be meeting here in Queensland. And, um, you know, it, 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 I just praise God we can. And even back in, in America at the moment, I saw on the news this morning, you know, um, 15,000 new cases every day in the States, 1,500 dying every day. You know, this thing isn't over. And I just really want to tell us you to, to, to keep praying and, and looking to Jesus because, you know, we're, what's going to happen? We, we like to think positive, and I do too. We're going to see an end to this, but, you know, we need to be praying. I, I had a really close friend that rang me last week and uh, was just devastated. She got COVID, and she had been vaccinated as well, and her husband, and he was in, in, in the hospital and not real well, but uh, he has gotten out. But, you know, it, when, when I see this affecting people, and I know many of you probably know people that have been affected and maybe even have lost people, you know, these are the times we're living in. And, um, you know, we need to know that there is hope. And um, I've titled today's final uh, one in this series, present truth. And this is a term that's often used in Adventist circles, you know, the present truth we've used since uh, the foundations of our denomination. But, you know, what is present truth? And I guess as we go through that and and really what has been unpacked already, um, Lockie started this out with really covering how God's word is truth and that, um, you know, this is really what's Active and alive is God's word. This is what we can really rely on. And we're all on a journey. We're all in different places discovering, you know, our purpose and all. But this is the answer, God's word. And then um, Mari presented a, a, a beautiful presentation on the drama of Scripture. And I, I was um, so informed by that. I'd never seen some of the things he shared and it was quite fascinating. You know, this story, the Bible is a story. This is God's story. God's story with humanity from creation right through time to where we are right now. What a great story it is. And it has a happy ending. At least for all those that know the living truth. And that's Jesus, because that's what the Bible's all about. Ever since sin came in in Genesis 3, it was all about God doing anything he can to save us from this pandemic of sin. And it's cost a lot. And right through the Old Testament, you know, it was all prophesying this Savior that was coming. And of course, Jesus did come. He came as a baby and he was born. And that's good news. He was born, he lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death, and he was resurrected. He then ascended in heaven where he sits now, representing you and me before God, and that gives us direct access to God through Jesus, the living Word. He is the truth. And that's what we need to cling to in these times. John 17, 17, we've used this verse a bit through this series. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. You know, are we holy? Only through the living truth of Jesus. You know, I don't feel very holy often. 
But I cling to Jesus. I find my identity in Him. And this is where we can have confidence approaching the throne of God because we approach it through Jesus. If any of us was approaching it without Jesus, we'd have no hope. You know, we look back at the Old Testament and the, the sanctuary service. And there in the, the, holy, the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. And there was the Ten Commandments, the law. The law was there to, to help us to know what sin was. But there on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And that's good news. God shows us mercy by His love and grace by sending Jesus to pay the price. Because we could never keep the commandments. We could never keep the letter of the law. 2 Timothy, it tells us that Scripture is inspired by God. Some versions say here, it's God-breathed. This is God's living truth. And sure, it was written, as, as Lockie pointed out, by, by men. But they were guided by the Holy Spirit. This is as if God's not going to leave us in a world just hanging. He wants to give us an answer. He wants us to know truth. He wants us to have faith and know that there's hope. And I ask that we all cling to that, and especially in these times we're currently living in. Jesus' own words there in Matthew 24 when he talks about his next coming before he left the first time. And here he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus' words are truth. You know, I love pointing out the red letters in Bibles. I love Bibles that are red letters, and I don't like having a Bible that isn't, because I just love being able to easily identify the words of Jesus. I think next week my wife Karen, she's going to talk a bit more about those special words of Jesus, those red letters in the Bible. These are so powerful, and they don't change. They're there forever. We can rely on them. Last week, um, Lockie was talking about swords and belts, you know, and how often people use Scripture like a sword and use it like a weapon. That's not what the word's for. It's not to be used to bang people over the head. You've heard the terms, you know, Bible bashers. I don't want us to be known as Bible bashers. I want us to be known as loving, gracious, empathetic, caring people. There are even loving people that don't believe like we do. Even people that are atheists and deny that God exists, we still need to love them. You know, I think the biggest um, disease going throughout Christianity is this mindset that somehow we have what's right. And then we have this mindset that takes us in a proud place. And I think it's a real trap. You know, I know, I know so many um, you know, Christians that know their Bible. And they know the prophecies. They know what it says in Ezra chapter 7 about the decree that was set there. They know what it says in Daniel you know, 7 and 8 and those prophecies, especially Daniel um, chapter 11, you know, very complicated. They know these, these, these prophecies well. But, but the way they live their life, you know, are they showing love? Are they showing care? Are they spreading the love of Jesus? Are they treating people like Jesus would? And it saddens me, often they don't. I just want to challenge us because I'm, I'm guilty too, you know, as a pastor. You know, I do want to see people believe like I believe. That's human nature, you know, because I believe I, I have something special. But sometimes I go about it in the wrong way. And sometimes people aren't going to see. So what can I do? I can just love them. 
Because if I, you know, reject them or don't show them kindness and love, you know, they're never going to, they're going to push them the opposite direction. I want to lead them towards the cross, not away from the cross. There's a lot of prophecies in the Bible and I'm just going to kind of go through this fairly quickly. I was going to touch on a few prophecies, but, you know, we're a very prophetic church. You know, we, we have come out of a time when, you know, really people were studying the longest time prophecy in the Bible there in Daniel 8.14. And, you know, it led to the, the date 1844. And, of course, there was no Seventh-day Adventist church. It was a Baptist minister named William Miller that was preaching that Jesus was coming on that day because it says there the sanctuary would be cleansed. And it didn't happen, and that was the great disappointment. And it was only those who kind of went back to the Bible and said, hey, these prophecies all fit right. Where did we go wrong that they finally sorted out that, hey, you know, it wasn't the, the earth that was cleansed. It's something that's happening in the, the heavenly realms, and um, it's really us entering into what's the end time. And really, since 1844, we're living in the end times. We've been living in the end times for a fair while now. How much longer will we be living in these end times? Well, I know one thing. It's closer now than it was two years ago. Again, I don't want to be a, a fire and brimstone, a, a, a preacher that preaches fear. I want to preach hope and love because that's good news that Jesus is coming. He's going to put an end to all the bad stuff and there's be only good. And that's great news. Here in 2 Timothy, Paul in his letter to Timothy says, For time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they'll look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears will want to hear. I don't want to be a church like that. You know, I want to, I want to deliver a, a positive message, but I also want to challenge us to step up. To not just be, you know, preaching the prosperity gospel is often called. You know, that God's going to make everything great. And if you follow God, you're going to have a wonderful life and you're going to have fame and fortune. I don't think that's the case. You find that all the followers of Christ often suffered, often um, had persecution. They often physically suffered, but God was with them. And uh, we don't need to fear. He's never going to lay anything on us. That's, he's not going to be there to walk with us through it. As we continue in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. These are, I believe, are the, the three kind of tests of truth. And this is the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you are familiar with it. You know, I love this chapter. And it's not talking about love between a man and a woman. It, the, the things there can apply. But it's really talking about us as Christians loving each other. How we serve each other. It's a really challenging passage. Of course, it ends in the 13th verse of 1 Corinthians 13 with these three things last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Why does he say that? Because we can have faith, but we don't have love. We've missed the most important green. Everything has to be done through love. And hope. And so when we're, we're looking for truth, you know, I think this is a test. Is what we're facing, the decision we're making, what we're doing, is it showing faith, hope, and love? This is what it's all about. This will make such a difference in the world we're living in. Jesus, as he began his ministry, 
We don't know much about his childhood other than his birth. We know he went to the temple when he was 12 and he knew scripture. The same scripture we have in the Old Testament. The same scripture that Jesus studied. The same prophet uh, Isaiah. Those same words is the same things that Jesus studied and he knew it well. But um, when he went away from that, all we know is that he came back and accepted John the Baptist's call there when John was baptizing people. And he looked at Jesus and called him over and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away of the sin of the world. You know, John the Baptist was his cousin. John the Baptist would have grown up with Jesus. You know, for him to identify Jesus, you know, you could say there must have been something pretty special about him. And if he recognized Jesus as being the Lamb of God, it must have been a pretty amazing cousin to grow up with. You know, I don't know. It, it probably was hard at times to grow up with a perfect cousin. But... Um, You know, he certainly recognized there was something special, that Jesus wasn't just another human. And of course, after he was baptized straight away, he was led into the wilderness where he spent 40 days without food. Now, I don't know about you, I struggle to go, you know, half a day without food. And if I knew I had power to turn a rock into a Reese's cup or something, you know, That would be a big temptation. Jesus was on the verge of death. And what did he do when he was tempted? He quoted scripture. And that's the point. As we get to the end of this series, I just want you to drive home that we need to be feeding. We need to fall in love. We need to have an intimate relationship with our Bibles. Don't just get it secondhand from Pastor Mike or Pastor Lockie or some elder or life group. Yeah, those are great, but you personally need to feed on the Word. It's the bread of life. It's what keeps us spiritually alive. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. You're always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in truth. It's through being connected with God through His Word and through His Holy Spirit that He transforms us, that He makes us into better people. And in our journey in life, like we heard from Callie, He can take us from a place where we're searching to a place where we find that we can make a difference. And that's our goal as a church, you know, with our steps of discipleship, to help us to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose and make a difference. If you're not on board with that, if you haven't done our growth track, again, I'd give that a plug. We need to get everybody involved. We need to be an army of warriors for Jesus in this church. And it's no better time than now when we're facing such trying times. In another place where Paul's writing to Timothy, he says this, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving, and they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. And they will betray their friends, be reckless, 
be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. So you look at some of this description, you think, oh, they're talking about the people in the world. But, but you know, what, what Paul's telling him, that this is the people in the church as well. This is what we see. These are people who are you and me. And as I look at that too, you know, do I struggle? I'm going to share a story in a minute about how this has really been a battle for mine as I close today. But, you know, this, um, you know, this lure of pleasure and wealth. There's plenty of that here on the Gold Coast, that's for sure. Let's make sure we got our priorities right. Uh, before I go to that, let me just share. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, it tells a story of, of David. And most of us know David. If you don't know David, you know, he was a, a, as a young boy, he was anointed to one day become king. He, um, you know, was a shepherd and uh, he, he killed a giant. He, he, he later became the king and, you know, was an amazing guy. But in, in Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, it tells that he was out on his, his outdoor courtyard one day and he looked down and he saw a lady and he um, had lustful thoughts and he asked about this lady and he desired her and being the king, he got what he wanted. And after he had this encounter with this lady, he got a message from her. We got a problem, David. I'm pregnant. Oh, wow. David, a man of God, has made a, such a huge mistake. What does he do now? Well, you know, he says, i got to get out of this one. This is what we as humans do. We think, well, we, we make one mistake and then we just dig a hole bigger. You know, like the thing, one lie leads to another lie. When we're faced with doing something wrong, the quicker we can make it right, the quicker we can say, hey, and be authentic, the better. And David, unfortunately, was not authentic straight away. He called his um, leader of the army, Joab, and he, he sent a note to have Uriah, who was Bathsheba's husband, to come home. And he came home, and Uriah was a very faithful, and he, he struggled. Why, why am I coming home? All my comrades are out there fighting on the battlefield. I can't go home to my wife in my beautiful bed. And he wouldn't even go in. He, sat on, he slept on the doorstep, and David's plan didn't work. And so then David does something even worse. He sends a note back with Uriah. He takes it back to his commander, and the note basically says, to put Uriah on the front of the battle. David's now got blood on his hands. Uriah loses his life. You know, it's hard to imagine. How could this be a man that followed God and did so many amazing things in his life before this? None of us are too far from slipping away. And I want to just challenge myself and all of us here that we need to make sure we're feeding on God's word and his truth daily. We need it to give us strength. We don't want to fall down a track like this. And it wasn't until the prophet Nathan came to David 
And he says, David, i got to tell you a story. There's a story about two neighbors. One was a poor guy and the other was a rich guy. The poor guy had one special little lamb. And he says, this special little lamb was his pet. It used to come and eat at his table. He used to sleep next to his bed. This special lamb was just his, his, his pride and joy. And he says, the rich neighbor had a whole paddock full of lambs, and he had a special guest coming over. Instead of going out there and getting one of his lambs, David, he went over to this poor man's yard and took his special pet lamb and chopped his throat and made lamb chops out of him. David got furious. Who is this man? I'm going to make him give him four lambs back. And Nathan looks at him in the eyes and says, David, you're that man. And this is when David was confronted with his sin. And this is when David finally confesses. And this is repentance and confession is so important. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian. We need to continue to be repenting and confessing. Because we're all human and we all make mistakes. And it might be just little things. It might not be big like David. But we need to keep coming to the foot of the cross on a daily basis. Asking for His Holy Spirit as we read earlier in the scripture. That can help us to become more holy. In our thoughts, in our actions. You know, how much time are you spending in God's Word? How much time are you spending on Netflix or watching sports? And you know, I'm not having to go at you for those things. But, but man, you need to be getting into this as well. Don't let those things push out God's word. It's too powerful to to leave it behind. Your life and your eternal destiny is at stake. And I guess if I had to, I'll struggle to keep it together when I read this. Because I've cried over this verse, this chapter so many times. But this is David's response to Nathan. And um, I've only put a few of the verses there. But I challenge you, when you're feeling guilt, you're feeling shame, you know you've done something wrong. Get on your knees and pray this prayer, this song in Psalms 51. And just a few of the verses that I'll point out. Don't keep looking at my sins, he says to God. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. What a powerful prayer. This was a transformation. This was our true repentance. And David's life was forgiven. And he went on. And I just want to challenge us to not be too prideful. Not be too prideful to be coming and confessing not only to God, but also sometimes we need to confess to our family, to our husbands and to our wives and to our children and to our church Members to our our friends, our neighbors. I mean, what's the worst thing you can do, you know, for them to not accept it? But if you feel anything that's not right, make it right. Don't hold grudges. Don't let it eat you up. Second Corinthians, Paul says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And again, I empathize. This is a daily thing. This daily being filled with the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit come and fill you and change you. I'm going to go quickly in a couple more verses, and I've got one story to end with. Um, You know, the Bible warns that Jesus um, says these words in Matthew 24. 
as he talks about his second coming. And he is coming again. I have no doubt, and I hope you have faith in that too. And that's good news again. But he says you've you got to be careful because it's easy to be caught up in just doing life. And it's like Noah. In the days of Noah, Noah preached, I think, for like 120 years, and people just got tired of hearing it, just went one ear in one ear and out the other. No one even listened after a while. Eventually, the animals came in the ark. Still wasn't enough to convince them. God shut the door of the ark. And it wasn't until the rain started coming down and people start banging, oh, oh, well, maybe this is right. You know, they didn't have a changed heart. They weren't new creations. We can't wait till it's too late. About a little over three weeks ago, I had a great disappointment. Wouldn't be as great as 1844, but for me it was a bit of a blow. And um, when COVID hit, you know, a few years ago, I, I got my first jet ski. I've always loved being out on the water. And um, I used to be big into water skiing and stuff. I've got an artificial hip now. I can't water ski. But I can ride on a jet ski. And so I've had a couple of jet skis. We've got a little life group here. We'd go out with the guys and we'd ride and had a lot of fun. COVID hit and I wasn't sure what was going to happen financially and things. And I had a buyer and I had a good price and I sold my jet ski. And I'd kind of been keen to have another one because it's something I enjoy. Well, there's an auction site called Gray's Online and this, um, this jet ski came up. And it was almost, it was too good to be true. It was like, this was a 2015 Sea-Doo GTXS. It had three original hours on it. Now, those who know anything about jet skis, that's, that's not even hardly used. You know, it's only been out for one or two rides. And so, normally you have to go look at these things. When you buy things on Gray's Online, it's, you buy as is. So you're taking a bit of a risk because you don't get any warranty or anything. And uh, usually you've got to go to Brisbane. But this one was right here in Arundel where I could go and look at it. And so on a Tuesday afternoon, there was a two-hour block of time and I could go look at it. And I went and looked at this jet ski. And man, I was like, my eyes popped. The guy was really nice that showed me. He says, we're not sure what the story behind it is. It did, it's never been even registered. It didn't have registration on it. Only three hours. He cranked it up with me. It was, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. Nothing wrong with it. And I already said, man, this is going to be mine. You know, I'm gonna, it was up to about $8,000 on the auction site. You know, it knew it would cost high 20s. This thing was, was going to be mine. Well, I had a lot of things going on with work. We had an elders meeting that night, and I was dealing with some issues. And at 7.30, that auction... So that auction ended, and at 7.30 was also my elders' meeting started. And I'm, I'm one that, I don't know why I didn't put a bid in, but I didn't. Somehow I, th I think, oh, I'll wait. I don't want to drive the price up. And, but I got sidetracked, and then it got my watch, and the computer wasn't ready, and, and I had to go get the Zoom going for my elders' meeting. And, and then I had one minute, and I got on, and I pushed my bid in, and it came up error. That jet ski, which I'd already pictured myself out in the water with the kids, <laughs> pulling them on the kneeboard. You know, it, this thing, I can tell you more about it. It wasn't supercharged, so that means it was very economical. It had suspension. They only made these for a few years. It had suspension. You can't even buy CDs with suspension now because they quit making them. I mean, this thing was incredible, and I missed out. 
Why? I don't know. But what I want to say, guys, is I'm getting over that. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. I'm not over yet, but I'm getting over it. But I just want to share as I close today, folks. We don't want to be like the people in the days of Noah. We don't want to be saying, oh, 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 I, I changed my mind. It's too late. Now's the time to make a commitment for Jesus. And I pray that you'll do that and you'll accept his truth. And you'll let him come into your life and you'll be part of this church. Or if you're from another church, you'll join in, in that church. And we can keep soldiering forward and spreading the good news that Jesus is coming back. And we're going to be with him forever. That's the good news. Let's not miss out. God bless you.